I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Devraga Personal Finance, and this is episode 57. In this episode, we will discuss what credit scores are and why they're important and compare it to a credit report. A credit report actually contains your credit score. So they're actually two different things and often is incorrectly used interchangeably. So um, we'll go into a bit more detail about credit scores and credit reports. Now, do you know what your credit score is and do you know what your credit report is? Okay, so I would probably bet that a lot of Aussies out there just don't know what their credit score is. Now, if you listen to personal finance podcasts in America or American-based episodes, they talk about credit scores all the time. They have something called this FICO score, which sort of changes based on what your credit rating is. So in Australia... Credit scores are available. Credit reports are available. You may have seen ads on them on YouTube, particularly on TV as well. I've seen a few ads on TV, you know, how to find out what your credit score is and how to find out what your report is. But it's really becoming more and more common. But in the background, you may be quite surprised how often um, companies that you may apply for loans and business dealings for actually check on your credit report and actually check your credit score to make sure you are who you say you are, but also to make sure that you are financially worthy in order for them to give you a loan. In other words, in order for them to trust you with their credit. So, you know, when you think about it, though, we focus so much on school report cards. You know, I've just had a report card from my daughter at school. I've been, you know, scanning through it to make sure that she's doing okay. We focus so much on university report cards and even report cards and performance appraisals from our bosses and our employers, okay? A credit report is kind of like a financial report card about you, which affects everything you do with your finances. And I mean everything. Most Australians don't know their credit report or score, and I think it's probably worthwhile finding out what your score or your report card is. And you will be surprised how often um, banks and other lenders actually check on it. Um, Now, remember, I'm not a personal financial advisor. So whatever I say in this podcast is based on general knowledge because I don't know what your personal circumstances are, nor am I qualified to give you personal financial advice. So If you have a financial advisor, consult him or her. If you have an accountant, consult him or her. Before anything that you do about your personal finances, don't just randomly do it because some random doc on castbox.fm or Spotify basically podcasted about it. Remember, the mission statement of this channel is basically for you to learn, to engage, and try and be interested in personal finances because it kind of defines a lot in what we do in our in our lives, basically on a, on a daily basis. Now, before we get on to the main topic, remember the premise of this podcast channel, apart from just being an educational channel, I think there are five relatively easy steps to financial freedom. Number one, 
always pay yourself first. You take 20% of your after-tax income and put it aside and save it. You need to save that money. If you can't save 20% initially, that's fine. And remember, save 5% or 10%. But remember, always save the after-tax income. Your 20% is your after-tax income saving, not before tax, because after-tax income is reality. Number two, invest that money. Okay, Ideally, in property or broad index funds or whatever you feel you're comfortable with or whatever you understand. Now, if you don't understand what you're investing in, then please don't invest in it, particularly initial public offerings or gold or commodities or Bitcoin, etc. If you don't understand it, then generally that's a red flag, so do not invest in it. Number three, reinvest the dividends from those investments. Don't touch the dividends or the principal ever and always reinvest those dividends back into the portfolio. So if you have a share portfolio that's paying you 4 to 5% dividend a year, put it back into the investments that you already have. If you've got a rental property and it's giving you rent, then use that money and pay off that mortgage um, that you might have on that rental property if you have the rental property mortgage. Now, if you don't, then obviously you can use that money and invest in other investments if you like. But of course, that becomes positive gearly property, sorry, positive gearing property, um, and also, um, uh, it, which is a good thing, don't get me wrong. I mean, don't buy property just to negatively gear. But uh, most people in Australia would have some sort of a loan to buy their investment properties, and the investment income that you get out of it, out of those properties, uh, reinvest it into that home loan. Number four, investing. It has to be for a long time, 20, 30, 40 plus years. I have a benchmark of about 30 years. I think once you hit that 30-year mark, then you'll start seeing your investments really grow exponentially. And it just really makes you feel really good about it. Okay, So don't take out the money. Don't worry about the news. Don't ignore, um, ignore the noise, beg your pardon. Um, you know, watch the news, but don't pay attention to it. Just keep investing for the long term. And lastly, this is probably the critical element of it. Always try and automate those investments because if you don't automate it, you need to remember to do it and you might forget and you might spend the money. Um, so if you automatically save 20% and it just goes into your savings investment accounts or whatever, and the dividends that you get out of it get reinvested, then you're less likely to make mistakes. If you did these steps consistently over the long run, you're likely to be more wealthy than you ever imagined it to be. Now, with wealth comes responsibility. My humble opinion is that money is just a tool. It gives you the ability to enjoy your life, but more importantly, it gives you the ability to make a big difference to the lives of people around you. Now, before the main topic, just to reiterate a couple of questions that I've had in these past sort of few weeks about the pay yourself 20% of after-tax income rule, make sure you pay yourself first. Um, to be able to do that, you need to pay off any consumer debt. Okay, so if you've got consumer debt, then after you've saved your $1,000 emergency uh, funds, make sure you pay off those consumer debts first before you pay yourself that 20% because it doesn't make much sense if you have consumer debt at an interest rate of 10 to 20% per annum, yet are trying to save money beyond the $1,000 emergency fund and putting it in an investment that's probably going to get you 5 to 8%. Okay, so it's an automatic loss for you if you were to do that. Now, the 10 to 20% of consumer debt, you know, that's the interest rate on your consumer debt, for example, your credit card, 
which you have is just an absolute wealth killer. So make sure you use that pay yourself money to get out of debt as quickly as possible. So I suggest you throw the money onto debt, consumer debt that is, you know, not your mortgage and not your investment properties, etc., but consumer debt, pay it off as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, and you can use various debt paying strategies. I've talked about the debt avalanche. I've talked about the debt snowball. Go back and have a listen to those podcasts if you haven't done so already. There are various strategies that you can employ to pay off that debt, consumer debt, as quickly as possible. So the way I look at debt in general, particularly consumer debt, is like trying to swim with an anchor attached to your legs. So try and get out of it as soon as possible. Um, so remember, I'm talking about consumer debt. Don't get confused. I'm not talking about your home loan or that sort of stuff. But if you've got consumer debt, I've had a couple of people who've said, you know, I've got a car loan, but I'm trying to save 20%. Well, if you've got a car loan for your personal car, which is a bad move from day zero, don't do that. But if you've got it, then pay off the car loan first. Okay. Yes, the interest rates might be low on that car loan because we were in a very low interest rate environment, but don't get sucked into that. Okay. Just keep it simple. Pay it off as quickly as possible. Being debt-free is an absolute freedom that you'll enjoy. Um, and um, that's, in my view, is probably the most important thing if you've got consumer debt. Get out of it and then start saving a 20% and then invest um, and then let the snowball effect take into effect. And of course, never borrow money. Once you've paid off your consumer debt, never borrow money for consumer items, okay? So main topic, let's get on to credit scores first. Um, you know, what are they? Credit scores or ratings is a bit of a financial report card on your financial situation. The lenders use your credit score, which appears in your credit report, to work out if they should lend you money or to give you credit. To lend you money is, uh, you know, your creditors might uh, think twice about lending you money if your credit report has issues with it or if your credit score is not great. So let's go into it in a little more detail, right? Now, supposing you want to buy a home and to buy a home, you don't have enough money at the moment. You've got enough for the deposit. So you apply for a um, home loan uh, or if you want to buy something else like a consumer good, like a personal loan, or if you want to buy a car, you want to get a car loan, please don't get a car loan. Please don't get a consumer loan. This is just for example purposes. Um, the lender will seek your credit rating from various reporting agencies. Okay. Now, the credit score in that rating is a numerical figure based on an analysis of your credit file, and this happens at a particular point in time. So your credit score can actually change over a period of time. And that makes sense because you might have a better job, you might have lost your job, you might be behind in your bills, depending on the type of your life. Okay. So it depends on a particular point in time, your credit score can actually change over a period of time. Now, banks credit unions and other lenders use the credit score to help them decide whether or not to lend you money. And your credit score also influences the interest rates that you may get on the loan that you apply and sometimes even the terms and conditions of that loan. So if you've got a fantastic credit report, if you've got a fantastic credit rating and a credit score, then you can you know, go to multiple uh, lending institutions and basically flaunt that and say, well, I, I want a better deal. You know, why aren't you giving me the better deal? Whereas if you've got a very poor credit report or credit score, then the banks have one up, one up on you, basically. They can, they can basically give you what they want and they'll say, take it or leave it. Uh, and of course, as a result of taking the risk of lending the money to you, because you're more likely to default on that based on your credit score being very bad, 
they're going to charge you higher interest rates. They're going to charge you um, fees, and they're probably going to make terms and conditions a little bit more unattractive compared to the person that has a very good rating. So let's talk about credit reports first, okay? So this is this is different to a credit score. So what sort of information is included in your credit report, okay? So we'll talk about, I mean, we started a little bit about credit scores, but I want to move on to credit reports first, and then we'll come back to the credit score situation, okay? So basically, a credit report is, is more detail about your credit history, okay? And the credit score is provided as part of your credit report. So there are various factors that are included in your credit report, such as your personal details, your name, your date of birth, your current and past addresses, employment history, your driver's license numbers, um, any other applicant's details and their information, especially if it's a joint application and you might have a partner, you might have a brother, you might have mum or dad that you're trying to buy a house together as a, as a joint home loan, for example. Um, all of your credit card history that you may hold or have held, so the limit on it, the amount owed on it, the interest rates on it, the terms and conditions on it, any arrears on any debt. So if you have unpaid debts, that'll come onto your credit report as well. And any defaults or other credit infringements. So in other words, if you haven't paid your utility bills, if you've paid your loan payments, which are you know 60 days or more delayed, or where there is any debt collection. So that'll go on your credit report as well. Any credit applications, so for example, any pending existing loan applications go on your report, or applications where you've acted as a guarantor also goes on the report, and I think even rejected applications in the past. If you've applied for a loan that's been rejected, that's a red flag, that goes on your credit report as well. Any debt agreements, so any bankruptcies, any court debt agreements or personal insolvency agreements, that all goes on the credit report as well. You know, repayment histories, any payments made on the due date or outside of those due dates, that goes on the credit report. Any business or commercial credit applications, so not just your personal credit report, you can actually include some of your business dealings as part of the credit report as well. And of course, which credit providers have requested credit reports on your behalf currently and in the future um, and in the past, beg your pardon, okay? So there's a lot of information that actually goes on your credit report, and all that information is collated from you know, various credit reporting agencies, and I'll go into that a little bit more detail a bit later in this podcast. So coming back to the defaults, because that's where it gets a bit interesting. So what sort of defaults are listed in the credit report? So first of all, the default amount has to be greater than $150, okay? And second of all, if you can't be contacted, for example, you're a missing debtor, so that's a problem. So if they've tried to contact you, then they can't they can't physically contact you. So those are the defaults that would go through into the credit report. Any debts that you haven't or bills that you haven't paid for 60 days or more since the due date. So when you get those, you know, overdue uh, sort of letters in the mail about your utility bills or your mobile phone bills, etc. If it's more than 60 days, you're more likely to have it on your credit report. If it's less than 60 days from the due date, then you're less likely um, to have that. Okay, so again, don't be too afraid if you, you know, having some trouble paying your bills and it's only been two days, you know, behind schedule. Or if you've forgotten to pay the bill. Um, so, you know, obviously you have a system to pay the bills on time, but if you've forgotten to pay the bill or, you know, if you don't have enough money today, but you've got enough money tomorrow, then that's not going to go on your credit report. Although, if you're having that trouble, then that is a symptom of something deeper in terms of your personal finances, and that's a whole nother ball game. so I won't go into that in this podcast episode, but 
generally speaking, you need to be 60 days beyond the due date for it to be uh, lodged and reported to a credit reporting agency. Now, the creditor has to have sent you adequate reminder notices via phone or text messaging or via writing to you to ask you to pay the loan back. So if they haven't given you adequate reminders and they've put something on the credit report, then you have every right to sort of arc up about it. Now, usually if you're late, though, the creditor must inform you that they're about to make a report about your overdue payment that might be part of the information listed on the letter that they sent you before they actually make a report. Okay, so how long then does the default listing appear on your credit report? Because, of course, once you get reported, it can be quite difficult to get that reporting delisted. So how long does it actually last? Five years is the general rule. Now, if you pay the debt, the report still contains the original debt, but it also gets updated to say that you've actually paid it off in full. So if you have defaulted on a loan, it goes on your credit report, and then maybe, you know, uh, three months later, you've actually paid it off because you've I don't know, won the lotto or whatever. Um, that original report still stands, but when they do the new credit report, it'll be updated to say that you've actually paid it in full at this particular due date, which would be, you know, obviously not the original due date. It'll be three months after it was due. Okay, But if you apply for future loans like business loans or home loans, the creditor can still reject your loan based on the report and previous defaults, even if the debt is paid in full. And this is why to maintain your credit score and your credit report is very, very important. Okay, So when you apply for a loan, they can still reject you if you haven't paid your bills you know, a few years behind. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I had a bill, didn't pay it at the time, and then you paid it off a year later, and it's within that five years of when you applied for your home loan or whatever it is. Even if you've paid the loan back, albeit a bit late, the you know lending institution can turn around and say, "Well, hang on, you've got a you know you've got a bit of a red flag on your credit report. Even though you've paid it off, we can't lend you the money, or we're happy to lend you the money, but this is a red flag. Therefore, the interest rate's going to be higher, and therefore the terms and conditions are going to be different to you." But the creditor, when they do that, must tell you why they're rejecting your loan request or they must tell you why they're changing the terms of the loan when compared to the average Joe. Okay, so, you know, what happens then if you're finding it very hard to make repayments, you're in a situation, you don't want to default, but you want to do the right thing by paying it uh, as quickly as possible, get into contact early with your bank or creditor explaining the situation. Generally speaking, most businesses nowadays, including utility companies, etc., have hardship programs and are quite lenient as long as you're honest and get in early. Remember, they're businesses, okay? They want to make money, but they want to also have you as a customer. So, you know, it's pretty, I'd say it's pretty rare that they're not out to get you, but of course they want their money. They're not, they're not there to provide charitable work. They're not there to give you free, you know, electricity or gas or free mobile phones or whatever it is, right? They're there to, they're there to make money, but at the same time, they want to help you pay their bills because they want to, you know, extract your money as much as they possibly can. So the earlier that you tell them that you're having difficulty and having financial hardship, the easier it becomes. You can probably agree to some sort of a payment plan if it comes to that. Now, thankfully, I've been fortunate enough never having to default, never being late with any of my payments. So I kind of don't know the full process about all this, but I hope you're in that situation as well. But I know some of you that are listening are finding it difficult 
And I know income instability is a problem, uh, particularly if you're having businesses, etc. So, you know, to pay off your creditors on time can be difficult, but have a chat to them. Everything is negotiable. So, how do you get your own credit report? There are various agencies that are available. Most of them are actually quite free, if you think about it. Equifax is probably the largest. Uh, they had a massive data breach uh, in recent years with Equifax. But data is basically dime a dozen. If you're posting on Facebook or emailing, that's data. So, you're always vulnerable to any data breaches uh, in today's world, unfortunately. Uh, whichever company you choose to use. But Equifax is, was, was massive. Okay, they, they had up to half a Half a billion people's details were actually hacked. Um, Experian is the other one. Experian Credit Reporting Services and checkyourcredit.com.au in Australia is quite big. You need to provide some basic details in order for them to calculate your credit report and credit score. Now, not that the companies you know, which provide these reports to the banks or creditors are not obliged to give them the report or the credit score. They just tell them whether you pass the check or not. It's personal and private information which belongs to you and the creditors shouldn't have that free access to it. So what that means is if you're going to apply for a loan and the bank, you know, contacts one of these credit reporting agencies and does a credit check on your file, the credit reporting agency is not obliged to give them your credit report. They're not obliged to give you your credit report either because you're not the one that's seeking the report. The banks are. So just remember that it's private personal information. Everything is done to the law. Then they just tell the bank, yes, Devraga is legit. Yes, he's got an income. Yes, he's paid his bills on time. Yes, you can loan him the amount that you might want to loan him. But they're not going to advise the bank what the interest rate is. They're not going to advise the bank the terms of the loan, etc. That's up to the bank. They just tell the bank that I'm a legit person that is able to pay back loans and have had a great history in doing that over the last X amount of years, okay? So, do credit report agencies then make mistakes? Yes, they do. Always check your credit report, and if there are loans or defaults on your report that you have no idea about, make sure you lodge an update and question it. It may mean your identity has been stolen, and it may mean that there is identity theft and fraud, which is, let's face it, a massive global issue. So if you've applied for a loan, and if you've been rejected, and as far as you're aware, you kind of go, well, hang on, I've paid everything on time, I've got a great income, why are they rejecting my loan application? And then if they say, sorry, there's something wrong with your credit report, then it is your responsibility to try and access that report or try and you know get another report and to sort of say, well, where's the mistake here? Okay, the bank's not going to do that for you. They have basically pulled out of the loan application because you haven't paid your bills on time in the past, according to them. So it is up to you to go back to the credit reporting agency and try and seek and verify whatever's on your report is accurate or not. Okay, so the credit reporting agency, remember, may have actually reported your information incorrectly if it's not identity theft or data theft. You know, for example, your name, your date of birth, your address may be incorrect, which may identify you incorrectly, which leads to incorrect credit reports, which leads to inaccurate affecting your ability to get a loan. So your credit score may be completely wrong based on a very slight variation in the information, such as an address or a date of birth. So you've got to make sure that you check the basic demographical information as best as you possibly can, especially if you've been rejected of a loan that you probably should have gotten anyway. Okay. So examples of some of the mistakes that credit reporting agencies can do is incorrect defaults. So they put someone else's default under your name, possible. Incorrect loans. 
they've uh, assumed that you've actually borrowed so many loans in the past, but you actually haven't borrowed that many loans. Not updating a payment arrangement for a default, which is no longer in default. So you've actually defaulted three years ago, but uh, you know two years ago, you've actually paid that amount in full, but they just haven't updated that report. And of course, third-party fraud, such as identity fraud and identity theft. Okay, so that is a real issue in today's world, in today's you know online world. So if you think you've been hard done by, the earlier you get to it, um, the better. Um, and the earlier that you identify the problem, the better. So how do you correct it? So you found a credit report. Uh, you think there's some mistakes in that credit report. How do you actually correct such mistakes? Well, you contact the credit reporting agency with the mistakes and evidence of corrections. Do it early, do it often, and do it promptly. If the credit reporting agency doesn't budge, and you think you have enough information to lodge a complaint against the reporting agency because they're incorrectly affecting your ability to borrow money, then go straight to the ombudsman. Having a stuffed up credit rating is a massive issue. Just like you've done all the right things during year 12, and in the end you get your ATAR score or your VCE score or whatever it is they call a HSC score, and you fail the exam, but you haven't actually failed the exam, you've done everything you possibly can, and just because they got your name and your date of birth, your address, or whatever it is, results screwed up with another person, it can have a huge impact on your life. So it's a very similar sort of analogy that I use for Year 12 results as well. I have known people that have been affected by stuffed up Year 12 results because the people that do the VCE scoring and data matching and the marking, etc., have screwed up based on, you know, wrong information. So, and remember, there are fake credit reporting agencies, so don't randomly Google credit reporting agencies after listening to this podcast. You know, sometimes fake companies set up alleged credit reporting agencies and then steal your personal information and then sell them, sell them on to other third parties and you become a victim of identity fraud. This is not uncommon. So this in turn affects your credit score, okay? So if you want to make a complaint, who do you actually complain to? Well, in November 2018... The Australian Financial Ombudsman Service, the Credit and Investments Ombudsman Service, and the Superannuation Complaints Tribunal all amalgamated into what's called AFCA. AFCA is the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, AFCA. If you Google them, you can actually make a formal complaint about your credit score and the credit reporting agency, um, and they will hopefully look into it. Um, it may take some time, but that is an avenue that you can pursue if you've done everything you possibly can to try and correct your credit score. And if you have enough information and evidence that it's actually incorrect. Now, coming back to credit scores. So remember, we've been talking about credit scores earlier, but then we migrated on to credit reports. Now they're coming back to credit scores. So uh, a credit report, remember, is not the same as a credit score. So what range does the credit score range to and from? Depending on the reporting agency you use, the score can vary between zero, which is pretty bad, to 1,000 or 1,200, and I'm not sure whether the credit score can actually go into the negative territory. So if you know much about this, then maybe you can private message me, and that might be useful for me to post on the Facebook page. But generally speaking, it goes between 0 to 1,000 or to 1,200. And this number is then translated into what's called a five-point scale. So let's look at the five-point scale in a moment. Number one, point uh, scale number one is called excellent. Uh, which means you're highly unlikely to have any adverse events harming your credit score in the next 12 months. Uh, number two is very good, so you're unlikely to have an adverse event in the next 12 months. Number three is good, you are less likely to experience an adverse event on your credit report in the next year. 
Number four is average credit score. So you're likely to experience an average event in the next year. And number five is below average. You're more likely to have an adverse event being listed on your credit report in the next year. Okay, so if you're applying for a loan and someone gives you a below average credit score and they give you, you know, they give you a number and that falls into a bit of a category, then that that bank that's trying to lend you money will say you're more likely to have an adverse event being listed on your credit report. So therefore, sorry, I'm not lending to you or I'm only lending to you at exorbitant interest rates and very, very bad terms and conditions. And people who are very desperate for credit and desperate for money tend to do this. Now, if you can't get any loans, guess where they go? They go to loan sharks. They go to payday lenders, uh, which are just absolute, you know, I think the absolute scum of the earth. So, you know, these are the people that can't get any credit. But uh, if you can get some credit, then you, you know, depending on your credit score, uh, depending on one of these five levels of credit scores based on your score itself, then it changes your interest rate and changes your terms and conditions. So, how do you get your credit score for free? Well, there are various companies that analyze and provide it for free. Remember, it's not a credit report, it's a credit score, so it's a bit shorthand, I guess, in a way. So, there's Credit Savvy, which is an experience score. There's Credit Simple, which is uh, formerly known as Dun and Bradstreet score. Uh, there's Finder, uh, which is also part of Experience score, uh, which is also part of finder.com.au, I think. And there's a Get Credit score, which is Equifax score, and there's uh, Wiz Credit, which is Equifax, Equifax and Experience scores. There's actually various types of credit scores around that you can actually find out about. The best way to find out about this information is ASIC, Australian Securities and Investment Commission. If you Google them, there's actually uh, you know, recommended companies that they recommend to get your credit report and your credit score. So how can you then improve your credit score? So how can you do well on your financial reporting card? just like you would do well in your school reporting card. Do your assignments on time. So, you know, make sure you don't have too many outstanding assignments. So let's let's go through how you can improve your credit score. Number one, lower your credit card limits. Just because a bank or a lending institution wants to lend you money in terms of credit cards and increase the limit, it all feels good. I've got a platinum, I've got a diamond, I've got a, I don't know, centurion card. What? I suppose if you have a Centurion card, you're probably not listening to some random Devraga personal finance podcast. But anyway, you might well be. But lower your credit card limits. Number two, consolidating your personal loans. So try not to have too many personal loans. And of course, my view is try not to have any personal loans if you can avoid it. Number three, limit credit applications. Try and avoid multiple applications. There are people that try and get multiple applications going at the same time because they're worried that they might not actually get the loan. Try to avoid that. They're all, you know, the credit report will pick that up because they're going to think if you're going to apply multiple times, you're probably not a great candidate. Uh, make your repayments on time. So this is where automatic repayments work really, really well. Um, pay your rent and bills on time, you know, utility bills especially. Um, my general philosophy is if I'm getting a bill, I pay it physically. In other words, I don't have automatic payments because it reduces the friction of payment. It reduces the pain and suffering of letting go of your money. So I actually get the bill out, I pay it online, and then I write it on the bill that I paid it at the specific time, write the receipt number, write the date, and write my name on it. Okay? And I pay the bills as soon as I get them. I don't wait till the due date. I pay it as soon as I get them because that way I know it's paid and that way I'm never late. Pay your mortgage on time. Now, of course, 
this is usually happens on time. It just means you have enough money in your bank account to be able to do that because mortgages are automatic deductions from your bank. Uh, they'll just take the money out of your account and pay your credit card off in full each month. Ideally, never ever have a credit card loan. Uh, I use a credit card and I pay it off every fortnight because I'm, you know, like I said, every every fortnight I get paid and I just pay it off straight away. I don't wait for a month. I don't use the 55-day uh, credit-free interest and all that. Uh, so interest-free credit card um, period and all that sort of stuff. I just pay it off every fortnight. It just makes it easier. So in summary, should you know your credit score? Yes. It helps negotiate a better deal. It helps negotiate better terms, better interest rates, and better loan amounts. So that's about it. This is all about credit scores. This podcast episode, it's all about credit limits. I actually found out a little bit about it because, um, you know, when I've applied for home loans in the past, the my, my business manager has basically told me, yep, we're going to do a credit check. And I went, oh, let, let's do some research on this. And I actually did that quite recently. And that's why um, spawned this episode about credit scores and credit reports. But make sure that you know what it is at least. Make sure you get educated about it. If you get rejected for a loan or if you're getting really, really bad deals, then maybe there's something in the credit score or credit report that's actually incorrect, particularly if you think that you've done all the right things, okay? So thank you very much for listening to the um, Finance Channel. Um, thank you very much for the questions and support. Remember, check on the Facebook posts. I try and post at least once a week or twice a week and comment on if you have any questions. Or you can private message me, which is where most people do. Um, and keep the feedback coming. I'm, I'm really enjoying the feedback. Um, now, I've got a really special episode planned for next week. It's about the economics of electric cars because I've actually bought an electric car and I'm going to do some sums based on the data that I found from my electric car. And I'm going to try and, you know, explain how potentially just buying an electric car in my personal circumstance can actually make me close to a millionaire. So uh, that is a very interesting episode indeed. So until next time, learn what your credit score is. Find out what your credit report is as well. Make sure that you know the differences and make sure if there's any questions or comments on it, then check up on them. This is Devraga Personal Finance, episode 57. Until next time, thanks for listening and always stay safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 